Today's podcast is brought to you by Delupa. Delupa's database of over 2,500 models contains the most KPIs for each company, along with non-gap adjustments and guidance specific to the business and the quarter. Clients use Delupa's existing data to construct their own models faster and ramp up on new names more readily. Coupled with Delupa's plugin, which automatically updates numbers and formatting within your model, you'll never need to input numbers manually again. All of Delupa's data points are contextual, audible, and accurate. Their AI algorithms allow them to collect the most data on their companies at the greatest speed and build out their model database at a rapid pace, while their final layer of human analysts ensures total accuracy of their models. You can even update KPIs for multiple different companies in an industry model that allows you a bird's eye view for better idea generation. Save time with Delupa to do more value-added work. No more data errors, no more Excel monkeying, just the fundamentals, all at your fingertips. All right. Hello and welcome to the Yet Another Value podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Walker. If you like this podcast, it would mean a lot if you could listen, rate, subscribe, review it wherever you're listening to it. Uh, with me today, I'm happy to have on John Boyar. John is the CIO at Boyar Research. John, how's it going? Hey, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Things are going really well. Hey, th- thanks back. for coming on. I'm excited to have you on. I think this is your fourth appearance, actually, but uh, I'll get to that in a second. Let me start the podcast the way I start every podcast. First, a disclaimer to remind everyone who's listening, nothing on here is investment advice. Please do your own research, consult a financial advisor. We're going to talk about two of my favorite companies to follow, one of my favorite sports out there today. So it'll be a little more fun than normal, but please re- remember all of that. And then second, with the pitch for you, my guest, you know, people can go listen to your prior three uh, three appearances for a full pitch, but you're, you're kind of on today because for people on YouTube, I'm holding up right now. You came out with a, a fresh looks, which has about 15 or 20 stocks, companies that kind of just reviewing them. And the thing that was interesting to me, I put it in my monthly note last year and we were talking about before, the last time you did like an intra-year fresh looks, I believe was April 2020. And then you come out with one, you know, towards the end of July 2022, which I think the market's up like 10% since then. Obviously, the market's just raced since April 2020. And I was kind of joking, hey. When John puts out a fresh looks, read it, don't read it, whatever you want to do, but just go buy stocks because that's when things are getting pretty hairy out there. But I, I, we, we, I read through the fresh looks, really enjoyed it. The thing I wanted to talk about the most in it, and I think the thing you want to talk about the most in it was the Dolan discount stocks, two of my favorite stocks, MSGE and MSGS. And I've rambled a lot. I'll just pause there. Why should investors be paying attention to MSGE and MSGS right now? Um, one again, thanks for, for having me on this. This is a lot of fun. Um, and in terms of why should they be paying attention on MSGE, MSGS stocks are cheap. There's catalysts, uh, they're really high quality assets that they're the definition of assets that really can't be replicated, which is something we, we like a lot uh, at the Boyer value group. I mean, just a quick step back, um, for those of you who don't know, the Boyer Value Group really has two arms. We, we manage money as an RIA. We also sell research. Um, the Fresh Looks is uh, one of the pieces that we, we recently did. And um, yeah, th- th- these are stocks that we like. MSG, just by way of uh, background, is a company that we have been following for years, really since, literally since it was before it was born. Uh, and the, the reason why I say that is MSG 
S and MSGE were part of a company uh, called Cablevision, which um, was one of the largest you know, cable companies uh, in the US. And it was sold to Altice in, I think, 2016 at a price we never thought we would, we would get. But you know, as I said, it was part of that um, conglomerate, I guess, for, for lack of a better word. And in 2010 or so, they decided to spin out MSGS, MSG, I'm sorry, from Cablevision. And what's really interesting to note was I was looking back, you know, we profiled it, um, and uh, Andrew, I'm happy, happy to send you the report. Uh, we profiled MSG in March or so of 2010. The enterprise value of MSG at the time was $1.5 billion. And it essentially consists of what is now MSGS and what is MSGE. Um, and the enterprise value of those two businesses now are roughly $8 billion. So there's been a lot of value that's been created, but I still think there's a long runway to go. And one of the reasons why these stocks are cheap, and I guess I probably should take a quick step back and just ex explain what those assets are. Um, MSGS owns the Knicks and the Rangers, essentially. That's, that's, their, that's their main assets. MSGE owns, and we'll, we'll talk about this because it's a little more nuanced, owns what is Madison Square Garden. It owns the air rights uh, above Madison Square Garden. It owns regional sports networks. It has long-term leases and things like the Radio City Music Hall. It has the Rockettes franchise and something called the Sphere in Las Vegas. So th that's just putting everything kind of on the table. And both of these companies are selling at significant discounts to what we perceive that they're actually worth due to something that people on Wall Street call the, the Dolan discount. And that is they're perceived to be the Dolan family extremely unfriendly to minority shareholders. And there are certain aspects of that that are 100% true. But over the long run, investors who have invested alongside the Dolans have been rewarded. They just have to be patient, which is a problem that um, most people on Wall Street seem to have. And I, I went on um, Bloomberg this, this morning. I, I was just kind of curious. So I looked. It looks like Cablevision went public in, in 1986, and it, it was sold, as I mentioned earlier, to Altice in 2016. If you include dividends, that's that's Cablevision stock increased in value by 3,585 percent, roughly, um, versus the S&P, which increased in value by 1,900 percent, roughly. So it's been a significant. Outperformer, and I'm not saying the S&P is necessarily the best gauge of, of you know, I, I guess I could have done a media index or, or whatnot, but it shows that over the long run, value has been created. But let me let me just hop in there because I think this comes to I want to talk about all aspects MSGE MSGS MSG has been a popular topic on this podcast. Uh, Chris McIntyre came on with a very concentrated pitch on them. You you and I talked about when MSG was buying MSGN and how that deal made no sense. So we can talk about that. But I want to start with that that first point you made, right? Like people 
people give MSGE and MSGS a Dolan discount. And investors who have invested in the Dolans over time have done very well. You mentioned Cablevision, which I, I mean, that performance is insane. Uh, MSG since 2010 to 2021 has done great. So I think it's easy to look at and say, hey, if we just invest and close our eyes and forget that James Dolan is horrifically mismanaging the Knicks on the court product, like we will make money over time. And yes, that has worn out. But there is a part of me that also wonders like, well, Cablevision was mainly James Dolan's dad, right? And I also wonder if the assets are just so good. You know, Warren Buffett's got the thing. You want to have assets that are a company that's so good that even a monkey can run it. Because one day a monkey will be running it, right? And uh, our, Or in crew, it was – there's this ham sandwich joke in crew, but I won't go into it. But I do wonder if these assets were just so good that they, they've just overcome – how bad the Dolans are and kind of blinded us to that. And I'll, I'll give two examples, cable vision, like guess what? Having the, uh, having the cable rights in the greatest cable boom of all time from the eighties to two to the early 2010s in the like kind of tri-state area, the richest, one of the richest areas in the country. Yeah. That's probably going to be a really good business. And uh, you know, for the Knicks, like, okay, 2010 to today, the stocks up about 10 X, I think. And that's great. But I'm just looking like, the average NBA franchise value in 2010 was 350 million. In 2022, it was about 2 billion, I believe. So it's like it it hasn't really outperformed like the average franchise 5x and the, the league's fran- flagship franchise kind of 10x. Like it, it doesn't seem like it it's really outperformed just how good these assets are. Does that make sense? It, absolutely. But yet, yeah, it's really the only way to buy those type of assets uh, and play that trend, at least in the public markets. You could, I guess, if you had money, you can invest in a company called Arcos, which is a PE firm that, that buys these things. I'm not saying that they that this is John Malone slash Warren Buffett. That is not. I'm just saying they're not. I've got some bad. problems with John Malone these days too. Yeah, no, we fair, can talk fair. about that another time. <laughs> I'm not saying he's Barry Diller. I'm not saying he's whoever. Wh- name your really good capital allocator. Um, but I don't think he's as bad as people think. And you know, one of the things that is really worth noting is, and I, myself included, have been saying, sell the teams. You'll create value. That has been, you know, you know, I, I did a hashtag sell the team or, or whatever that, that gained some traction on Twitter. Um, but the best move he could have made uh, or he did make is not selling the teams. And uh, he could have taken that check at getting $3 billion or whatever for the Knicks, whatever he would have gotten in, in 2013 or 14 or 15. But, you know, he saw the value of sports media rights. Obviously, you know, he couldn't see, he couldn't have seen sports gambling. I mean, that that kind of came out of nowhere to some extent, but that's got to bring, I think that's the sports media rights of the 2020 kind of decade. I think that's going to, you know, really increase value. So there's, um, yes, it's the only real way to buy these franchises, your if if we had a different owner, owner would there be this discount? I, I highly doubt it, but that's the opportunity. I yeah. mean, that's you know sometimes we found, and I'm not saying he is, but some of our best investments have been 
investing in companies that are horribly managed because that leaves an opportunity. Um, and not to go on a sidetrack, but look, just for example, I mean, that we've talked about Warner Brothers Discovery right now. Well, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get started, but one of the opportunities there is Warner Brothers has been mismanaged for, I don't know, is part of AT&T. They don't know how to run a cable, they don't run a, run a media company. And when they were part of Legacy Time Warner, they were um, being propped up for a sale. So that creates opportunity for Zaslav and company who I think know how to run a media company. They've, they've done it. And again, I don't want to get sidetracked. I know we can go I can on. get very easily sidetracked on Warner yes. Brother Discovery. But, but it's just an example yeah. of, you know, obviously an ideal situation is to buy, get something really cheap, great asset with a great capital allocator. And how many, how many times do you really get that? That that's you know, you, you have to kind of be willing to give on on one of those things. Well, let, let's dive in. I, I think if it works for you, I we're gonna talk about both MSGS and MSG, but let's start with MSGS because I I think the stories there are simpler. I, I just had I have two questions on MSGS actually, because I think it's a very I'll make it three questions. I think it's a very simple story we can talk about. The first, I mean, let's just do quickly again for the forgotten 40 people there's a nice little chart here that i can cheat off of but let's just quickly talk to msgs uh some of the parts right basically msgs owns two things they own the knicks and the rangers they have a very little bit of net deck but they own the knicks and the rangers right at today's share price they're trading around 170 dollars per share we can say the enterprise value there market cap low four billions right let's say 4.3 billion to make it a nice even number. When I buy 4.3 billion, I'm paying for the Knicks and Rangers. What it, what am I actually getting there? You're getting the Knicks and the Rangers. And, you know, I, believe it or not, people pay attention to Forbes values. And now there's a rival company, uh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, basically, Forbes uh, journalists went in and they, they valued the, the Knicks at $6 billion. How they come up with that valuation is somewhat of a of a black box, but they they, they come up with it. And, and as I said, this is actually used in negotiations, and in many many instances, uh, the Forbes value ends up being extremely conservative. Um, and so, for uh, four point seven billion or whatever it is now, you get the the next, which are worth well in excess of six billion dollars, at least in my opinion or in our opinion. And then you, um, you get uh, the Rangers, which Forbes values at $2 billion. I believe, it, I believe it's $2 billion. At, um, you're basically getting paid to own the team. So it's a, there's a lot, and there's some you know, cost basis and tax issues there, which we adjust in our valuation. But you know, it's essentially the way we look at it, it's pretty much a double from here, maybe we're being a little aggressive. I don't know. Time, time will tell. But there are things that are going to help unlock that value. I think sooner rather than we sooner than we think. So it's it's a really kind of you know interesting situation. So I think I don't disagree with you. The the one thing. So I used to be long, very long MSGS, and I, I I kind of moved on, but I always still follow it just because I don't disagree with that math, but. You know, when I was long, it one of the things I did was exactly what you did. I took 
hey, here's the Forbes value for every sports team that has traded in the past, I think it was 12 years at the time. And here's what they actually went for. And the average premium was around 28%. You mentioned 30%. And actually, the, the really interesting thing was the larger the city that it traded, the bigger of a premium it went for. Because you know, if you had the option, if you, if you had unlimited money and somebody said, hey, you can own the Knicks or you can own the Oklahoma City Thunder, you're gonna you're gonna pay up more for the Knicks because then you're the face of the league right now. The Thunder have a lot of draft picks though, so it might be a little more fun running them. But I, I think you see what I'm saying there. But I guess the question I would have on just a sales price is: Look, if you're talking five billion dollars plus a twenty percent premium, a six billion dollar check, that's different than seven years ago when it was a two billion dollar check. Like there just aren't a lot of people who could write a six billion dollar flat out check. So I guess my one question would be. Hey, on that premium, like, are there people around who can actually write checks that big and pay that premium? Or are they going to start running into a, a situation where, hey, the value is so big, like they just can't get the premium that they would kind of want and deserve because there's just not a, enough money out there? Yeah, no, that, that's a great point and a fair question. One, one of the things that could happen is that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are private equity firms that are involved and they can buy, I think, up to 20% of a team in, in the NBA. I, I forgot what it is in the NBA. I, I believe that's correct. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, so they could take a stake in the team, um, which would help you know put a marker on it, which I think would help unlock value. That, that, that's one thing that could happen. Worth noting, you look at the shareholder base of Madison Square Garden Sports right now. Silver Lake, the private equity firm, owns 9% of the company. Yep. You have... I can't pronounce his name, but he's an Egyptian billionaire. Um, he owns 6% of, of the company. You have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that up the stakes from 1.5% to 3%. And then you have um, a KKR owns, I think, 1.5% of the company. There are people there who, as a group, Combined, maybe it's not one person who buys it. It's grouped the way I think the 76ers happen, uh, went about, where you, you get a group of people who who buy this. And, you know, I don't think there's any shame in, you know, going halvesies or uh, thirds with, you know, two of Jay, your other. What was it? Jay-Z owned 0.1% of the Nets for a while, and everyone would call him a Nets minority investor, even though he his ownership rounded down to what you and I own of the Nets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... Uh, so the, I mean, these things could could happen. These are uh, clearly big checks, but there are. I mean, this. They, I mean, there's also people who now just have massive amounts of of wealth. Uh, you know, if Steve Ballmer wanted to buy a team today, would he? I don't know his financial situation. He probably could do it. He's never said he sold a share of Microsoft stock. I think. Well, Ballmer owns the Clippers. So. No, absolutely. I'm saying if he was going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's there are people out there who could do it or you do it as a, as a group. And I'm not saying Bill Gates doesn't seem like that's his personality is going to buy the team. It's just I think it's interesting to see that all of these long term oriented investors who are not necessarily trying to beat an index, but are trying to make money. Silver Silver Lake, to some extent, but the Egyptian guy, uh, the. Um, you know, KKR and, and these others uh, and, and Bill Gates you know, for the foundation's money are taking these long-term views. 
to me, the, the hardest thing about investing is people, because they're investors, force them to take short-term views. And that's why a lot of people get frustrated and put their, put their hands up and, and will avoid the stock. But if you're able uh, to you know, have that luxury of time, you can make a lot of money. You know, again, I don't want to spend too long on MSGS because I want to talk MSGE, but I, there's one question on, there's one thing that will transition us, but I do just want to ask the other question on MSGS is uh, the Big Ten over, I believe it was over this weekend, just got a massive, massive contract from a bunch of different people. And if you listen to the most recent MSGS call, I'd encourage anyone to go listen to it. It's really interesting. They talk about great business momentum. You know, renewals are up 9%, double-digit increases in cap spending during the season. I think the Knicks will be better this year. The Rangers are coming off a deep playoff run. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, sports betting is just going to be – this is the first year where it's going to be there in full. But the the most interesting thing to me is if you think back to when all of the NBA teams really inflected – it was in the mid-2010s when first Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for $2 billion, which was way more than anyone thought they would go for. And then within a year, the sports rights renewals came in uh, with the TNT ESPN contract, and they like tripled, and no one realized how high they were going to go. And if I remember correctly, MSGS's stock, it was MSG at the time, was up like 30% in three months or something on the heels of this news. And I do just keep wondering, Big Ten just got that massive increase. NBA sports rights are coming up in the 25-26 season. They're probably going to get renewed in the next 18 months. Everyone I listen to, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, thinks that it's going to be a big number. And I wonder if the market's a little bit sleeping on, you know, in the next two years, you get a massive renewal, and then Forbes comes out and says, hey, our value of the Knicks isn't $6 billion anymore. It's $9 billion because sports rights have gone through the roof. So I'll just pause there and let you comment on kind of that overall environment. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I I mean, they get a share. I, I believe it's pro rata of the of the league deals, and they are. Yeah, it's a prime beneficiary, and these are big, big, big numbers. Um, you know, I think that you know, sports, sports and news are obviously what people you know watch live, and that that's extremely valuable for 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 folks, and they're paying up for it. Will content spending moderate? I I, I don't know, but I, I don't. I think it probably will. I just don't know if it will for sports. I think in the days of paying a comedian forty million dollars or whatever for uh, a special or or long gone, Netflix is not going to be doing that anymore. Um, but yeah, these things are really valuable, and that's one of the things that's going to drive the price of these things. Um, I think higher and higher. So it's that's that's also another cow. So yeah, I think it's 20, 2025, 2026, but that will happen before then. Well, you, you'll the number will be announced, you know, well in advance, et cetera, or or there'll be whispers of what's going to happen. So it's going to be, I mean, look what happened with the cricket stuff in in India. I mean, these are huge numbers. Yeah, look, it's the last, it's the last thing where you get it and people have to have to appointment view it. Uh, it's the last, it's definitely the last thing where people were bothered to watch advertisements, right? Because you watch a game, there's natural breaks. You kind of have to sit through it. Whereas if I'm watching Hulu, the other day I was at my in-laws house and they have Hulu with ads and I have Hulu without ads. And we were trying to, you know, watch something at night and an ad popped up and my wife and I were like, what is, 
what is happening here? And it, it just totally discombobulated. Only place you'll watch ads, only place monoculture, only place you bring it, and 10 million hardcore NBA fans are going to subscribe to your service day one. It's the best cost leader out there. All right, let me do a transition question for MSGS to MSGE. If you're, you mentioned Steve Ballmer, and you hear lots of complaints with Steve Ballmer. His checkbook is so big, the Clippers can spend way too much money. And the other thing is the Warriors, like the Warriors and the Clippers do not care about the luxury tax, apparently. And for the Warriors, it's because they built the Chase Arena, and apparently that thing just mints money. So my transition question from MSGS to MSGE is, like, MSGE owns the Garden, right? The Garden, most of the value in it, it, it comes from it's in New York City, but a lot of the value, has, it's got the Knicks and Rangers, everything. As you think longer term, I know we'll talk air rights, I know we'll talk all this, but at one day, will MS, will the Garden Will it be like the Chase Center where they redo it and it's just this absolute money-making, money-printing machine? Not that it's doing poorly now, but is there that kind of optionality down the road? There's definitely an optionality down the road. And it's, um, one, they redid it. And in some ways, it's analogous to the Sphere, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, where they went massively over budget and people got all upset. I think that was... Around the financial crisis, like I could it was be wrong. Tw- they redid it 20, 2010 into yeah. twenty eleven, a billion dollar spend, and people were furious at the time. And yeah. I think nowadays they say, "Hey, it was probably like a fifteen percent IRR," and everybody's pretty happy with a fifteen percent IRR. So they they have experience in doing this. There's a lot of things that could happen. You know, it seems crazy now that people are not because with New York City and the state of it. Uh, that they may be building things around Penn Station, and it's a little too complicated or t- too much uh, to probably go into the whole details of, of, of what's going on there. But there is the the possibility of uh, the garden potentially being moved at some point in time as part of a larger strategic move. Um, so there's a lot of things could happen. So yes, you could have a um, uh, what is it called a uh, a redo of the garden at some point in time. I don't, I, I, the answer is I don't know, but it's certainly a possibility and that will help. Although it's worth noting, you know, you, the MSGE call talking about how food and beverage is really doing extremely well. All these things are doing really well. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's now a 12 year old arena. So it's, it's not the shiny new thing anymore. And, you know, yes, they, there could be, um, value yeah uh, and msgs call another thing they call out is they talk premium and i do think if you redid msg today especially in new york city i think there would be like just kind of more devoted to the suites and the really high-end stuff where the money is really made i just don't think i'm no expert in stadiums but i i think msg is designed for a little bit of an older model and yes they've redone it but i think you could do a lot more with suites especially in a city just as rich with as much finance and media as much entertainment spend as New York City had. That would be my thing. But let's turn over to MSG. Like MSG, you and I are talking is trading just under $60 per share. We can talk some of the parts. We can talk everything. The last time I think I had you on was we were decrying how crazy the MSG and MSGE merger was. Um, I still think it was crazy, but you, you know, we were going to, we actually were going to record this podcast last week. And then we said, oh, earnings are coming up. Let's wait. It's a good thing we waited because MSG said they're, they might do a spinoff coming up there. There's all this stuff going on. 
I'll pause there. What's going on with MSG? How are you thinking about that these days? Yeah, it was very interesting. You know, I think it was Thursday night. Uh, I was going to the city with my family. Uh, I get this alert, uh, you know, saying uh, MSGE is now uh, you know, looking to do a spin out. And essentially what they're doing, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is you're having basically what I talked about, the sphere, which I encourage anyone just to Google the sphere, Las Vegas, see what it is. But it's basically a state-of-the-art entertainment system, the greatest sound system and light system in the in the world that's coming out in Vegas that'll come out in the second half of uh, 2023, it looks like at, the, at this point. Uh, it looks like it's going to cost $2 billion to build. I wrote a, an article many years ago saying I wish they never did this, but it is what it is. This is what you get with the Dolan sometimes. So what they did was MSGE is separating into two companies. You're going to have the Sphere and something called Town Nightclubs, which is going to be one company, um, which will actually, I believe, be the MSGE. Uh, it will, will be... Uh, it will be the MSGE company. I, I'm not 100% sure how they're... Ta Tau and the Spear will stay in the current ticker, is yes. my understanding. And yes. then they'll spin out, and we can talk about this is an interesting structure. They'll spin out two-thirds of the other assets, which is mainly uh, the Garden, the Rockettes, and the long-term lease on the uh, on the Radio game. City. I think those are the main assets. that I might be missing one. They'll spin out two-thirds of that to shareholders, yes. and that will be in a new company that they're calling the... Uh, I, I think that's the live and entertainment company. Probably. Yeah, they, they haven't had a name uh, on it. Like that. I don't know why they didn't call the other one, like, you know, MSG Sphere and this MSG Entertainment, but whatever it is. But you also, in what I consider MSG Entertainment, would also be the RSN, the Regional Sports Network, um, is, is another kind of major assets. Uh, they did not, I don't think, I haven't seen where they're putting the air rights. Um, Say that again? I don't, I haven't seen, or they haven't announced, I believe, where they're putting the air rights that MSGE I, I would I I could not imagine that you would spin out that you would spin out the garden and not include the air rights with the actual physical property. I just couldn't imagine you would do that. But uh, I guess there's a chance yeah. they keep it yeah. inside. It, it, yeah, no, they just didn't specifically call that out. I, I would say that's the logical yeah. way, but some it also wasn't logical them doing the MSGN deal. So I, I just there are certain things that I just rather assume nothing um, and just see what happens. But yeah, so so the, so essentially everything in MSGE except for the Sphere and Town Nightclubs is one entity, uh, and then the rest are uh, you know the the other assets um, is is how is how they're structuring it. Yeah. So let let me just talk about the structure first. So they said, hey, we're going to spend two thirds of Garden Rockettes off to shareholders, and we'll keep one third at the Spear at the Spear and Tau company. And that's a strange, that's a really strange way to do it, right? Companies do two thirds, one third spins. It's more 80-20 sometimes, but it's just strange to spin two thirds out. Am I remembering correctly? That's that's originally how they were going to structure the MSGS MSG spin, and then they called it off and just did a full spin. I don't remember what the, the proportion was, but you know. I, I do look at it and you know, we get, we, you know, our research service did a, uh, you know, a big report on spinouts maybe five or six years ago. 
and you know companies that retain portions on the spinouts um, actually do significantly better. Oh, interesting. Um, oh. And I'm just remembering the big asset that they're going to spin out with the garden that we were forgetting was networks. They're putting networks in with the garden as well. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, listen, I think maybe they're keeping it. Um, one, they can always spin spin it out further later on. Optionality. If they need more cash later on, this is an asset that they could sell. I, I would you know, hope that wouldn't be the case. But, you know. They're claiming that the MSG Sphere, which, you know, as I said, is going to cost about $2 billion to build. They're exploring for future ones, more cap-like um, ways of doing it. You know, I don't know, a, fran- a franchise model is the way I would put it. This is not a Burger King, uh, but it's a, um, so, so I think it's just, it might be, give them some optionality. Well, let's let's stick with the sphere then, because I know I've got a lot of smart friends who are long MSG, and the math just hits you over the head, right? This is a three billion dollar EV company. A lot of the debt is at the MSGN level, not the corporate level. So, I mean, I uh, about they've got about one point seven billion of debt. About one billion of that is networks debt, which uh, you know I'm not even sure if networks covers the debt these days, but we can we can talk about that later. But the math hits you over the head when you say, "Hey, this is a three billion dollar enterprise company." I, I mean, you know, they're going to spend two billion on the garden. One point five of that's already spent. Or sorry, on Sphere, the garden's almost certainly worth two billion. Networks, you know, if we're giving them full credit for the debt, is worth probably five hundred to a billion. Rock cats are worth five hundred. Like the math starts hitting you over the head. So I've got a lot of friends who are along it on just the math hits you over the head thesis, right? And we didn't even talk air rights there. But then I've got a lot of friends who are shorted on, hey, these guys are going to blow, are putting $2 billion into the sphere and they think they're going to be more spheres beyond this. Like what world are they living in? This is, this is awful capital allocation. Originally they thought it was going to cost $1.3 billion and it would have been a bad investment there. So I, I guess I just want to ask like my two friends, some people look at asset value. Some people look, this is just lighting money on fire left and right. Like, how do you look at the M- at MSGE? I mean, we, when we did our valuation of the sphere, uh, we, we value it at uh, 50% of the uh, construction costs. Um, and then we put, uh, I think we put a big haircut on the cash, I forgot what percent yep. uh, uh, of it to, to account for. I, I, as I said earlier, I actually, I wrote a, an article for Forbes, um, you know, three years ago saying I didn't like this thing. I, I wish they didn't do it. They have the best assets in the world minus the sphere. Why are they for entertainment? Why are they why are they doing this? But let's take the the contrarian article uh, part of it. And maybe James is is correct building this state-of-the-art venue, 20,000 seats in Las Vegas that has the you know the world's greatest sound, uh, greatest lights, huge sponsorship opportunities, huge utilization. Maybe he's right. I mean, I, I don't know if it's officially announced, but it's it floated that U2 um, is going to be the opening act uh, for uh, and that do a residency there. You know, Vegas is, if you pick a venue for this, would be the perfect one. You know, it, it, there's no uh, ROI given because I don't think they know what it is. I think this is not good capital allocation. I, I fully agree. Uh, but 
based on kind of what you said before, they just have so many great assets that it is, it's hard to ignore. And listen, you also, as a position, you put it kind of accordingly, um, you know, doesn't have to be your, you know, a 10% position in, in a portfolio. There's, there's a lot of up, potential upside where it could become a 10% position if, if all things go well. Um, so it's just, it's a different way kind of, uh, of, of looking at it. So I, I think there's, there's certainly issues there, but as I said earlier, the issues create the opportunity. Yeah. Let's talk about another piece uh, that has issues inside of it, and that's MSGN networks, right? So the last time you were on, they were merging MSGE into MSGN, and I think both of us thought that was a terrible deal. And the reason was, look, MSGN has been a standalone RSN for forever. And our, our argument was that makes absolutely no sense. They, they need to sell to a bigger company that's kind of got an umbrella, an umbrella where they can go negotiate and say, hey... You drop us, you're not just losing MSGN, you're losing ESPN, you're losing Disney, like something along those lines. There would have been massive synergies. Instead, they sold it, they did a related party transaction, MSGE, MSGN merge. I think they said on the Q4 call, they said, hey, MSGN's done its job. It got us a lot of cash flow that we directed into the sphere, which, oh my God, I can't believe they they like said the quiet part out loud. But you know, today you look at MSG networks, uh, Comcast dropped them in October of 2021. Once one once one person drops you, you're always at worried. You're always worried that someone else is going to drop you. They say MSGN is going to release a direct to consumer standalone app. Uh, I believe in the second half of the NBA regular season, NHL regular season. And I just look at that and I say the best time to release an app is before the season starts. I think there are some restrictions on why they can't do that, but I look at that. I look at Comcast dropping them, and I say. MSGN seems mismanaged these days, and it seems like a really terminal asset. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I think MSGN was the first regional sports network. Uh, going back to what you said, Charles, who's 95 years old, who, you know, the patriarch of the family uh, was, was responsible um, for that. Um, yeah, no, listen, it's a, it's a challenge business, but I would say that sports gambling is this will help them tremendously, both in terms of sponsorship opportunities. Um, it's now, I, I believe for MSGS, their largest um, kind of uh, advertising um, yeah, yeah. Is, 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 sports gamble, is sports gambling. Even if the Knicks are terrible, which is a good assumption, people watch games if they bet on them. Higher advertising fees, I think they increased by $10 million um, this past year. And it was a, a shortened season, shortened because of last season was shortened. So that there's a lot to like. I, I realize also, you know, the bear case will be that, you know, um, DraftKings, et cetera, won't spend as much money going forward. But um, yeah, I think the sports gambling is going to be, is going to surprise people on the on the upside for them uh, i i agree i you know we talked about it before i fully agree that uh msg uh and they should never have done it it was inappropriate it's a bad use of funds it's just different shareholder base but it is what it is i mean the only good thing to say is i own shares in both so i kind of uh got both but i i i didn't 
like it. It's kind of, it's kind of funny also. I, I don't know if you saw he, anyone who was involved, any of the plaintiff's lawyers involved in that are not allowed at Madison Square Garden. Now, Say again. Any of the plaintiff's lawyers who are suing them are actually banned from Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's hilarious. Them and Charles Oakley can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? The plaintiff's lawyer, banning the plaintiff's lawyers does make sense. No, MSGN, you know, I, I am worried that it is a terminal asset. But as you said, like sports betting is so huge for these guys. And we still haven't even started really touching into the sports betting where like the the real in-game stuff where you're watching where you're watching the game and you can just press, Hey, I think Julius Randall is going to score a bucket on the next game. And like, once you start getting that in there, the, the fees can be so high and like, look at as MSGN and guess what? It's still called MSG network, right? Every other RSN that I'm aware of, I'm sure there's some I'm missing, but the major RSNs I'm aware of have all rebranded to Bally's regional sports networks or whatever. Like it, it seems like there's a hundred million dollars of very easy value going to, Caesars, uh, DraftKings, and FanDuel and saying, hey, right now, highest winner, we're going to rebrand MSG Network to FanDuel Network uh, for the next seven years. Highest bidder wins. Let's go. It seems like there's $100 million of value easy there. There's lots of value. And the, the one good thing that I've always liked about MSGN, every other RSN has about five-year contract rights. If I remember correctly, MSGN has the Knicks and Rangers locked up till about 2035. That's yeah. still 13 years. That's a lot longer. It's in a major market. Uh, it's so great. One thing I want to talk that I think you've done more work than most people have talked on, the air rights for the garden. And I, I don't think we've really talked about air rights on the show. So, you know, the garden is on fire right now. They talked about Harry Styles is going to do a 15-day tour. I think it it's the best uh, gross that they've ever done in 2022. They were having the best gross. Just sell, sell out every night. So the garden's on fire. But nobody really talks or thinks about the air rights. So I just want to ask you, when, what are we talking about when we say, hey, the garden's air rights? Like, what's the value there? What What's the plan to develop those? For those who haven't really seen it or or, or whatnot, the, the garden is a relatively low building. They have the rights to build up. Uh, I forgot how, what, what, how many feet, but it's a, you know, they have 2.5 million, I think, of, of buildable feet. So they, they have the rights to do that. Uh, realistically, they're not going to do that. You're not going to have condos on top of, of Madison Square Garden. I think that'd be a little weird. It would um, be kind of cool, though, like if you had the, the 30th floor apartment and like during <laughs> games, you were feeling the crowd like scream <laughs> as, as things are. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It's just, so you can in and it, it, the laws are convoluted. And I'm just doing this in a very basic sense. Uh, but you can essentially transfer your or sell your rights to other people. Um, and, you know, there's a whole movement to develop that area. Um, you know, the governor wants to do it. Uh, Vornado wants to do it. They want to build office towers. To me, it seems a strange time to build office towers when no one wants to go into the city, but maybe that's a, being more forward thinking than I'm being. Um, and these air rights are very valuable. You literally can sell air. And there's, and it's not like this is pie in the sky. There's been transactions through the years on these things, especially churches and and other you know, places of worship have, have sold these. So that's something that you know you you look at. I've looked at some of the sell side reports on MSGE, and this is my one of my criticisms of the sell side. They don't even, not there's no word of, of air rights mentioned there. 
and they're they're valuable. They they could be worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of, of dollars. Um, you know, when they monetize them, I don't know. Will they? I'm not sure. But it, but it's certainly possible. One of the things, and I fully agree with you. I mean, I think the MGM MSG network kind of has a somewhat nice ring to it. But you know, they'll go to the highest bidder. Um, not saying they would do this, but just think out uh, what would naming rights of the garden go for? I mean, just think about just to how crazy, what, what did they pay for crypto.com? Um, I hope they got paid in advance by the way. Yeah. But, I, I think <laughs> they got 300. I, actually when, when crypto went through, I did the math and I was like, Oh, the garden would go for, for quite, quite a bit. But you know what? I do think you never know. But I do I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's not. I mean, it's- I, I do think the Garden, they they like it kind of as a brand and rightly or wrongly. But it, it is Madison Square Garden presented by something, if I remember correctly. Right. It's like MSG presented by Chase or something. I can't. Yeah, they, they, have, they have big sponsorship with Chase and Delta, I think. Uh, yeah. But like, I'm, as I said, I, I think that's not and- going to happen. But it just shows the value of the. Of the- Andrew, because I'm from New Orleans, I remember for years it was the Superdome, right? And I could have never imagined like this was the Superdome, maybe from New Orleans, I overblew it. But, you know, at the time it was the biggest thing. It hosted some of the biggest things. And then guess what? Mercedes came along with a really big check and they said, oh, now it's the Mercedes Benz Superdome or something like this could be the uh, FanDuel Madison Square Garden or something. So it, it can definitely happen. It's just, there's just so many things that could go right. People are just focusing on the negatives. Um, so I, I, that's where. Um, when I look at your valuation, uh, you've got the air rights for MSG, 2.5 million billable square rights at $300 per square foot. That comes out to $800 million, which that is a lot of money against, as I said, this is an enterprise value company of about $3 billion. So I just want to ask, where did that $300 per square foot number come we, from? We just looked at comparable transactions that happened. Obviously, it's a weird time to be in New York uh, right now. And the way, you know, that might be aggressive, probably is. But we also valued, as I said, the cash balance at 75% of the current cash balance. We valued the sphere at half uh, of its you know, basically half of it, what it costs to build. So that's kind of, and put, you know, so that, that, that part of it, who knows? Um, but it's, uh, it's worth uh, a lot of money. Um, and it will one day, I think, be monetized and it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, just real quickly. So the other We've talked networks, we've talked garden, we've talked air rights. The other big piece, I mean, I don't think Tau is worth that much. I know they like to say Vegas reopening, it's going to be an international business. I, I don't think Tau is worth that much these days. But the Rockettes are a real brand. Uh, we, every now and then we'll like glimpse a little bit of their financials. But what do you think the, Ro- the Rockettes are worth inside of MSGE? I don't have, we don't have an exact value of it, but, they, but it, you're right, it is substantial. And, it, and part of their results, why they, weren't were nearly as good as they could have been for the years. Uh, it's, it seems like a long time ago, but like a large percentage of the uh, Rockettes shows this year were canceled because of Omicron. I think they, yeah. they stopped. It, it's so easy to forget. It feels like forever ago, but 
I, I remember when the press release came out, it was like December 7th or something said, Hey, we have to cancel the rest of the Rockettes show for Omnicron and that the Rockettes run from, you know, November to December. They, they don't run a huge amount of time. They make a lot of money in that time, but they yeah. don't run very long. So if you cancel those shows, that's peak earning season gone. No, there's, yeah, there's other things, I guess you put in other cities. I'm not sure what, you know, what, what you, what you would do, do uh, obviously you want to keep it special in New York. But the, uh, the Rockettes are, are valuable. There, there's just so many assets under there. They own these, you know, they own, they have a stake in DraftKings. They have a stake in a, a, a kind of a microcap company called Town TSQ, Square. I know Town Square Media, yeah. Which I which we own, uh, full disclosure. And full disclosure, we own MSGE and MSGS. And I'd imagine after this conversation, you would think I do own it. But, you know, as I said, full disclosure. Um, we, uh, so this, this is a lot of assets there. Um, and, you know, James, you know, there, there could be you know, more sinister reasons for doing it, but is I think help highlighting that that value of some of these assets. Um, and you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happened. And it was fascinating that post market the MSGE was up about sixteen percent that Thursday night. It's now given back more those games and gains and then some. Bottom line, it's a cheap stock. No disagreement there. Let let me let me wrap this up with one last question. Just switching back to MSGS side. I know you caused a little bit of a stir. You went on CNBC and said, and you talked, and I think for years people have kind of whispered, hey, Dolan's putting the feelers out that he's going to sell the team. And we went through MSGS and how how much more value there would be if they sold the team. But you went on CNBC. And got a little bit of traction where you said, I think he might sell the team. A bunch of Dick's fans said, hashtag sell the team. And I believe Dolan had to leak to the New York Post. We're not selling the team right now. But, you know, if I just said, if I asked you, what are the odds you and I are sitting here talking in three years, five years, seven years, and the Knicks and Rangers are still inside of MSGS as a publicly traded company with James Dolan in control, what would you kind of say the odds of that are? I don't know what the family dynamics and how everything works in terms of estate tax, but you know Charles is 95 years old. Um, uh, he owns, you know, family owns a, a substantial amount. There, there could be estate reasons for him to, to for them to sell it. There's certainly a chance, but I, I think if you give me a seven-year number, <laughs> I, I would say that it is well above. 50% that they would sell it, but it's hard to, it's hard to put this, um, you know, to put the, to put it probabilities on it, but I think there's a significant chance that they sell it. And I think there's even more of a significant chance that they sell um, part of the team uh, to, to a pri- private equity firm to put a, a value on it. And also it's not, you know, I, I realize at the end of the day, he controls everything. Um, but what if someone comes in and then buys a real substantial stake of, you know, 15, uh, 20% of the team or, or whatnot and tries to agitate for things? I mean, how does it, it makes it very uncomfortable for him. I, I, yeah. The, the most interesting, I, I don't disagree with anything, but the most interesting thing you said in there, which I hadn't really thought about is Charles is 95. And after he passes away, you know, the most common things in family ownership, when you own a sports team is after kind of the patriarch passes away, a lot of agitation for change. And especially, I mean, I think the Dolans have 
plenty of money after the cable vision sale, but that MSGS stake is going to be worth a lot and it doesn't pay out any cash flow, right? Well, the Dolans pay themselves pretty nice board fees, but that pales in comparison to what if they sold and they didn't have to have all their friends being like, you guys suck as owners behind their back all the time. Like there could be some really interesting family dynamics there. And I'd almost be curious to like go hire a, uh, like, uh, inheritance lawyer or something to go dig through and say, Hey, how vulnerable is James going to be once the dad passed away? Cause it, you see that a lot. I mean, the bus family had a lot of dynamics there. They managed to hold on to the Lakers, but there were some weird dynamics there. Uh, Broncos sold, uh, Broncos sold, or maybe will sell after the Patriarch died, even the Allen family, like uh, a lot of those assets for sale. And trust me, the Allen family was not hurting for money. So, yeah. Yeah. No, there's a bunch of siblings there. I think, James has like veto rights on it. I think the uh, I, I could be wrong, but I believe that's how it how how it's set up. But yeah, no, family dynamics can create a lot of strange things. So there's a lot of optionality there. Um, as I said, uh, as I said before, this is not an instant gratification stock. But for people who are patient, and you look at some of the investors in both MSG and MSGS, besides the ones I named, you have Mario Gabelli, you have the folks at Ariel, some of the best investors that I know, um, very long-term patient investors. Those are the top shareholders in one or both companies. Um, so I, I think it's worth, uh, you know, if you have more than a year time frame, it's, it's worth taking a look at. I think I've asked you for, are you a basketball fan? I am. I mean, I watch, but not a huge fan. I was just going to ask: Do you do you want the Knicks to trade for Donovan Mitchell? And you can say I, I'm not super up to date on the. Trade. I, I'm not up to. I I couldn't give you a uh, an intelligent answer. The only you know, it'd be nice if LeBron James was on the team. Besides well, that, I, I <laughs> he just resigned with the Lakers, so I don't yeah, think I that's happened. But yeah. for I know my listeners only listen to me for my takes on basketball. I I will be apoplectic if the Knicks trade all of their graphics and everything for Donovan Mitchell, who I think is very overrated. I'm willing to wait one more year and play out free agency next year, but that that is just it wouldn't be bad to make a playoff run. But I, I just I would not be a big fan of that. But cool. Hey, John, this was great. Again, John came on because he just put out a fresh look, so I'll include a link to it in the show notes if anybody wants to check that out. Everybody should follow John because he follows, especially if you like. As I've said many times, if you like quality companies at reasonable prices, like that is that is right in John's wheelhouse. That is what Boyer does all the time. MSG, MSGS, they're more than quality, I would say, and they're probably more than cheap, but there are management questions. But John, thanks so much for coming on and looking forward to chatting with you soon. Great. Uh, thank you for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. A quick disclaimer, nothing on this podcast should be considered investment advice. Guests or the hosts may have positions in any of the stocks mentioned during this podcast. Please do your own work and consult a financial advisor. Thanks.